I had another message that I was going to bring, and I, and I really liked it, and I'm going to someday. And it's uh, on the beauty of holiness. And, um, but as I was thinking about it, over the last, oh, I'm guessing a couple of months now, in my, just in my own personal devotions, I've just been drawn to the 23rd Psalm. And it's a psalm that you're all, most of you are familiar with. It'll be up on the wall here in just a second. If you, if you have your Bible, you might want to, whether you have it on your phone or your device or in the hard copy like I have, you might want to keep it open to the 23rd Psalm because I'm going to be just moving through that 23rd Psalm today. But um, I, uh, I, I had, you know, I spent some time during the week and I put PowerPoints together and do different things, trying to make, uh, put the message together. And then, kind of at the last minute, I just kind of felt redirected towards this 23rd Psalm. Now, I would like to say that I, uh, uh, an angel came down and spoke to me. And so, but there's a certain level of faith when you're uh, making a decision as a pastor on what you're going to speak about. And you trust that the Holy Spirit is just directing your thoughts. Uh, I had no idea how many uh, issues are going on in people's lives in the church family here today, and we spent some time praying about that. And uh, so the message today, it's on the 23rd Psalm, and it is the art of learning, and the word there is art, uh, key word, art of learning to trust the good shepherd. And here's a, another slide on the, on the same thing. Um, I've learned that learning to trust God is not a science. Uh, it's not like there's no algorithm for it. It's not something that you can just objectively say, here's the formula for how you do it. But it's kind of an inward sort of thing. And I do love art. And, and I am a... Um, a objective thinker. I've had a lot of training in that way, but I just enjoy music. In fact, in the mornings, I, I get up real early like a lot of people do, and I think one of my favorite times of the day is after I've, Cherie's still in bed, we're talking like 4 a.m. or 3.30 or something early like that. And uh, this doesn't sound overly spiritual, but on Direct TV there is a new music channel that is there, and it's just all very soft music. Once in a while there will be the theme of a, of the tune of a hymn or something that's there, but it's all just quiet music and mostly scenes of nature that are there, and um, and then there will be um, little sayings that will pop up on the screen. Some of them are by C.S. Lewis or some other Christian man, or, but they may not be Christians. And I just find that in that quiet time there, some of the best thoughts and insights of the day come at that time. That's part from my prayer time because that's more when I'm doing the talking to the Lord. And, um, but I'm using the word art there. Sometimes a picture will strike me in that way, and it just will speak to you. And there is an art of learning to trust in the Lord. David was a remarkable man. Um, I really do think that aside from Moses, 
and that would be a rivalry there. He's one of the two most important people, at least in my life, in the Old Testament. And um, he was quite a guy. He was a musician. He was an artist himself and a poet. The Psalms are poetry by King David, but he was a warrior. And I've been reading through Kings and Samuel in my devotions, and you know, this guy could be pretty tough and rough, and then he could be strumming his harp. But he learned sometimes through his meditation and contemplation, and other times through the experiences that he was having in life, how to trust in the Lord. And um, so this psalm that we're going to look at today is uh, from his shepherding days. And we're going to get to this in just a minute, but I want you to... uh, I'm not really much of a shepherd. Uh, Now, I know some of you dabble in farming that are here in the church. At least you have chickens. I know that Dan has 16 of them now, and... um, you know, there's different ones of you. I don't know if anybody here uh, herd sheep or that sort of thing. So uh, you're going to have to um, just bear with me because I learned a lot about sheep husbandry. And it made a lot of sense. I just wish the Lord would have chosen a more noble animal than a sheep uh, to describe us. I mean, I would rather that we were a soaring eagle or we were a lion. Or something else. But sheep, and I'll get to them in just a minute. But we're the sheep that David's talking about here. And it's the analogy of the sheep and the relationship to the shepherd that is driving some insights into what David is saying here that I think apply to all of our lives. How many of you wish you were a little better at trusting the Lord. Only five or six of us, man, you guys are good. Okay? It's something we're always working on, and the Lord is working on. We all have things that pop up in our lives. So this morning, we're going to look at this art of learning to trust the Lord. I don't think we ever completely arrive at this, but we get better at it. And so let's read this... um, text for today. And let's just read it aloud. Can we do that? The Lord, and I'm taking it from the King James, because that's how I memorized all my scriptures when I was a kid. It was all in King James. So anyway, I'll tell you what. Let's stand one more time. And out of reverence for God's word, let's just read this 23rd Psalm together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord 
forever. How many of you have heard that psalm before? All of us. How many of you have memorized it? Lots of us that are here. You can take a seat now. And so I want us to just parse this psalm. Because there are some truths there and promises from God's shepherding of us that can help us as we learn to trust in Him. As we get rolling here, the first thing in, who or what is shepherding you? We are hardwired to be shepherded by someone or something. That's just how God put us together. And ultimately, we are hardwired for God. But many of us get distracted, and there are other things that are the Lord of our life. On Sunday mornings, my wife and I, well, I don't know how this happens, but there's a gospel uh, music station, and Sunday mornings I wake up two or three, and I'm laying in bed, and I always turn it to the gospel station. I just like the old, a lot of it's southern gospel, and I listen to that. And then when we get up, we have our coffee about 5.30. This happened this morning. I usually am up a little earlier than her. And there's just a couple of um, uh, television preachers that I particularly enjoy. One of them is David Jeremiah. Do any of you know who David Jeremiah is? And I thought his message this morning was especially good. He's in a series on the last days. And um, I'd never thought of it this way before, but he was saying that dishonesty and deception and a spirit of lying is very much a sign of the times in which we're living today. And there were numerous passages of scripture that he, that he pulled in here. And, and there are many lies, false prophets that have come, claiming that they are the Lord. And we live in a culture right now that is trying to dethrone the word of God and the truth of God and the claims of God as the Lord of our lives. And I came across a term that I hadn't ever heard before, but I heard it this week, and I like it, and I'm going to use it. I don't even remember who said it first, but there is a lying spirit in our world today and in our country that is trying to engage in the paganization of America, turning us back to paganism. And it's true. Um, many, I happen to be reading in the Old Testament now of the, of, you know, the ups and downs of Judah and Israel, the northern kingdom. And, and there's nothing new under the sun we read in Ecclesiastes. And it is the same old game that Satan is playing. We talked about him last week. Beware of counterintelligence. There's a real Satan at work. And the things that brought these Canaanite cultures down is the same sort of thing. It's the trail we're moving down today. The new religion, the new Lord, false Lord, is a new species of nature worship. Climate change. Does anybody really believe, I heard it again this week, that we have to worship the climate gods because there's only nine years of planet Earth left? Get real. 
but it is a lying spirit that has created a new Lord, a new false shepherd that is coming in and stealing. Even the king Manasseh, who was a descendant of King David, offered his son as a sacrifice. I'm telling you that the cheapening of human life today and the unsanctity of newborn life and unborn life is a stink in the nostrils of God. And you know, I mentioned this to Cherie as we were, and I'm, I'm not getting sidetracked. I just want to give you an idea of what I'm talking about. What pseudo-truth are you bowing down and worshiping? That's not where we're going to end up. But we are so easily deceived today. Um, I remember when Bill Clinton was president, and he was talking about abortion and how it should be rare and safe. And that was the wedge into that. I just heard this week one of these idiot feminazis. Okay, I'm sorry if I feel emotional here. But pounding her fist about a woman's right to choose, it has become... And it's not about choice. It's about killing the innocent. And you can see by the fire in their eyes. Their new Lord is a God of death. Okay? Now I'm just going to stop there, but I could go on and on in so many different things. Or what about the God science? Now I believe in science. But I also believe that in the beginning, God created the science. He created the heavens and the earth. And while all of these things may have some element of truth, or many of them, not all of them, there's only one Lord. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. Not a Lord is my shepherd. Another one of the lies today is you can worship however you want. Whatever is true for you, you follow that. No, this is the definite article, the. Not a Lord is my shepherd. And there's only one true Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. And so I'm asking you, and you just take inventory in your own life. What is the Lord or the shepherd that is guiding your life? Is it a false shepherd that sneaks in through the back and tries to kill the sheep? Or is it the Lord of Scripture? Now, we're going to move to seven-fold promise of God as we move through this. The first phrase is, the Lord is my shepherd. And I'm just wanting you to ask yourself, what or who is shepherding your life? Unless it is the good shepherd, that is a false shepherd and a false truth that you're following. The first thing is the Lord will work for you. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, I do believe that the Lord requires of all of us 
due diligence. You know what I'm talking about when I say due diligence? That we need to have an effort. We need to try. Uh, the God doesn't really want, the Lord doesn't really want lazy sheep. Um, he wants us to do our best, to give our best. But with all of that, it's not our hard work and effort that is going to forge and secure our future. We're to do our best. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall want for nothing. The Lord is the one that provides for everything we need. Now let me just segue for a moment and talk about sheep. And Lord, if you had given me a chance, as I said a moment ago, there are more noble or powerful or intelligent animals I wish he would have compared me with. But God created us to be reliant on the good shepherd in our life. Now sheep, they are not the smartest animal in the barnyard. They're just not. Okay? They're not the most powerful. They really kind of just look like they were designed to be out of shape. They're slow. And they're very dependent. Now I know the um, bighorn sheep we have around here, uh, they're a little more majestic than these domestic sheep that David is talking about here. I shall not want. The Lord has created us. Remember in the Garden of Eden, I just go back there time and again. Adam and Eve were created to walk with the Lord in the cool of the day. And it was the word of God that would provide for everything they needed and give them all of the supply that they needed in their life. It's hard for me to believe this. In fact, there are times when I still just say, Lord, it's me again. And I know you've got a lot more important things. But you created me to rely on you. Am I the only one here that when I was in my early 20s, I thought I knew everything? And as I've gotten older, I know less all the time. And I find myself just asking the Lord all the time, Lord, what should I do? I am like a sheep. I just rely on the Lord's word. The Lord will work for you. So the first art is to learn the art of relaxing. Yes, Lord, I need to do my best, but I want for nothing. And I remind myself, I've lived quite a while now, and I can honestly say, the Lord hasn't left me high and dry yet. There was an old preacher, I can't remember who he was, but there's an old gospel song in the Pentecostal churches, and he uh, uh, never failed me yet, never failed me yet. The Lord has never failed me yet. And this preacher said, I just hate that song. He said, when you say never failed me yet, it means like you're waiting for him to fail you. And it hasn't happened yet. We can rest secure that the Lord is at work for us and in our behalf. The second thing here is that the Lord will provide for us. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. 
Now, I didn't know this about sheep. I don't think they're the only animals that are this way. But you can't make them lay down. They're pretty stubborn. And there are certain things that are required for a sheep to lay down. Uh, They are very vulnerable to danger. And they don't want to be in a relaxed position. If they feel fearful at all, they're not going to lay down. Sheep, like a lot of grazing animals, are always wanting to eat. They're not going to lay down unless they are fed. And the sheep, domestic sheep, because they are so vulnerable to wolves or bears or lions or other predators that might be out there, they will not lay down unless they know where the shepherd is. They have an instinct that's looking for the shepherd. And I've just learned this is another art. Lord, You're going to provide for me. You're going to lead me into the green pastures. And another thing about sheep, do you know that they have an instinctive aversion to quick running water? They don't like the white water. And I think you can probably figure out why. They're not the best swimmers in the world, and they're wearing a full-on wool coat. And if those sheep get caught in a current, they drown. That's what happened. The Lord is our shepherd, you shall not want. He's making you or causing you to relax and lie down in the green pastures. He's taking care of you. He's got your back. And he's taking you to the quiet and the peaceful waters. He knows your weakness. He knows your vulnerability. He knows your fears. And we learn that the Lord provides for us. I remember one time when I was back on the East Coast in graduate school back there. and I started a little painting company to work my way through school. And um, it, I, 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 still, I, I still remember the ad that I put in the paper. Uh, seminarian with painting experience available at reasonable rates. And I would put that in uh, the Princetonian, which was the no- local newspaper there. And I would, uh, I would put that ad in, and by the time June or July came out, I would, uh, I'd, I'd stop for the summer. I was just a one-man band. And I'd have enough to save just to buy food and different things during the academic year. And... Um, I remember one year we were running a little, a little short on money, and uh, I allowed myself two hundred. This is this is back in the mid seventies. Two hundred dollars a month. We were on food stamps. Uh, we had subsidized student housing. Uh, we had all this stuff. I mean, I was a basket case when it came to financial. But but I had a I had a scholarship for school, and so I had to take that on. And so anyway. And it came down to the end of the month. And our heating bill was due. It was student housing we were living in. And it got cold back in New Jersey. And I remember telling my wife, I said, I think I'm going to have to postpone our tithes. 
because I've got to pay the heating bill. Being the great theological student I was and this great example of perfect trust in the Lord. And my wife said, Stan, I think you've got it wrong. I think we pay our tithes first and trust the Lord for the $40 for the heating bill. We did that. A week later, out of the blue, a letter from somebody I knew in Las Vegas. My dad was pastoring at Trinity Temple in Las Vegas in those days. Sent a letter, I opened it up, and it was a check for $40. And he said, I just felt like the Lord put it on my heart that you might need this. The Lord will provide for you. And in so many different ways, we need to just learn to trust in the Lord's provision. Now, these are hard times right now. Have you noticed gas is going back up again? It's, uh, it's gone up about 40, 50 cents a gallon in Las Vegas. I don't know if it's hit you here yet. It's coming. Have you noticed your grocery bills going up every time you go? Well, we need to trust that the Lord will provide. He does that. Now also, the Lord will sustain you. He restoreth my soul and leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I learned something else. I learned where the term downcast came from. Sheep, especially as they get older, or if they're a little overweight, um, or their wool has not been trimmed and they're carrying that big coat of wool around, if they lay down in a green pasture and there is a hollow or a ditch or a hole near that, and they get turned over on their backs, they can't get themselves back upright again. The term that is used is the sheep are cast. That's where we get the word, by the way, downcast, from that very experience. And that the sheep require that the shepherd come, and he can't just flip them back upright, because if they've been laying down there like that for a while, their four legs are up in the air, and the blood has run out of their legs, and they're kind of, you know, you know how when your leg goes to sleep, or your foot goes to sleep, and the shepherd has to come and rub the legs, and get the blood circulating again, pick them up, stand them on their feet, keep rubbing the legs to get them going again. David must have had that in mind. He restoreth. My soul. Now, there's lots of things that make us downcast. I'm thinking that maybe David, as he was writing this psalm, was reviewing his own life. And and the passage that came to my mind was 2 Samuel 12. David was downcast in this passage. We all know about David and Bathsheba and uh, that immoral union that they had and uh, but God put it on the heart of Nathan the prophet and came to David and confronted him with this and told him that the fir- the son that was born of this union with Bathsheba this first son was going to die and sure enough that son took sick and David was unconsolable weeping and fasting and interceding before God, he was downcast. 
So much so that those in the, in the palace court were afraid to tell him when his son actually died. But you know the story of what happened when they did. As soon as they told David that, he got up, said, what's for dinner? Uh, put his robes on and they said, your majesty, you were so unconsolable while, while he was, your son was still alive. And in a short response, David said, I will not, he will not come to me, but I will go to him. And he was reliance on the Lord, he picked up and he moved on from that point. The Lord restored his soul. You see, the Lord is gracious and forgiving. You may be downcast because of failures in your life, things you've done or said that you wish you could take back. But the good shepherd is there to lift you up and restore you. He restores your soul. One of the worst mistakes you can make is to continue to beat yourself up. You can't undo the past. But you can shape the direction of the future with your attitude. He restores your soul and he leads you in paths of righteousness. These paths of righteousness, one of the things that strikes me about King David, especially in the Psalms, is this guy had a love affair with the laws of God. Your laws are more precious than silver and gold. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Like a deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after you. Listen, as dumb sheep, we don't know exactly what we ought to do. And if we leave ourselves to our own imagination, our own thinking, and our own reasoning, it will lead you into a hollow, just like those sheep, where you're downcast and upside down. leads you in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. What we do and what we do with our life is always to have in mind, Lord, what brings glory to you? What is going to bring honor to you? Now the Lord knows we have our needs, but the Lord will sustain you. The Lord will restore you. The Lord will lead you. As we follow his word, his truth, and rely on the good shepherd to keep us on course. The fourth thing we find here is the Lord will direct you. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. There was a valley in David's day. It was a passageway between the city of Jerusalem down to the area of the Dead Sea. And it was called the Valley of the Shadows. It was a dangerous stretch of trail or road that you would traverse down. And David must have been familiar with that. I guess that might be what, he, what, what this name came from, from the Valley of the Shadow of Death. It was a place where thieves lurked. 
It was a place where predatory animals would hide out because if there would be some lesser animal that was more lunch than a predator, they would pounce upon them and nothing, nothing sounded better to a bear or a lion than a mutton burger. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And we walk through those shadows too and we wonder how are we going to get out of this? What are we going to do? The Lord protects us and leads us and directs us through those hard places that we have to pass through. Yes, we have to use good sense. We have to use good judgment. But it is the Lord that is directing our paths. And we have to believe that. You know, this is something I've learned. Because I've had people ask me, how do you determine the will of the Lord or the leading of the Lord? And my answer is through the rearview mirror. I can't always tell you where I should go looking through the windshield. Okay? But if my heart is right, if I'm walking in paths of righteousness, if I'm trusting the good shepherd, I just have to exercise a faith that isn't fully evidenced yet sometimes, and trust that the Spirit is going to open and close doors. But as I look in the rearview mirror after I've passed through there, I can see how the Lord has directed all along. Coming back to Las Vegas was a hard move for us. I've told you before, man, I like Oregon, you know. But this was so the leading of the Lord in our lives. There's such good things that are happening right now in the lives of our kids and our grandkids because we're there to be there for them. The Lord will direct your paths and you're not always sure as you step through it whether that door is going to open or not. And the Lord will protect you too. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff. And David could have added one other thing. And my sling, they will comfort me. Now, we all know what a staff is. That was part of the walking stick. And it did have a crook on the end of it. Because those sheep are prone to wander. Uh, the the um, rod was a sapling, a tree they would cut off about maybe four feet tall, big enough to be sturdy, but they would preserve the root ball at the bottom of it. I mean, the hard ball that is there. And it served as a club. And they would use that to ward off. And David did this, a bear and a lion, you know, animals that would come. If there were a robber that would come, a, a, a sheep rustler, I guess. I don't know what you would call them. The club is what they use. They could even throw that club and it could be a weapon. This is what, this is, what is giving protection to those sheep. And those sheep, that crook is what is, is bringing them back from themselves. And something like with sheep that I learned too, is if, you, if, if the shepherd would go and pick up the little lamb, and take it back to the mother, the mother would reject it because it had the scent of the shepherd on it. 
And so they would pull it back this way and put it back on course. Now, you know, as sheep, we're prone to wander. One of the things I like are old hymns and songs. I've got a couple of books on them. I mentioned about the story behind it as well with my soul last week. There's another one. Uh, it's, it, it, it was written in England the end of the 1800s. Come thou fount of every blessing. Come thou fount of every blessing. Okay. The author of that was a man named Robert Robertson, I think was his last name. I think I have that last name slightly wrong here. But anyway, to get right to the chase, he had grown up a young man and he was rebellious. And has anybody here ever heard of the evangelist George Whitfield? Does that name ring a bell with any of you? He was he was the most famous man of his age. You've heard of the Great Awakening in American history, and George Whitfield was the evangelist behind that. Well, the author of this song, when he was 23 years old and he was up to no good, he heard George Whitfield speaking. George Whitfield, by the by the way, was a human. Uh, amplification system. He could speak without a microphone to an audience of 25,000 people. And he was so compelling in the way that he would speak. One person said of him, he could bring tears to my eyes just by the way that he would say the word Mesopotamia. And this author, this man, gave his heart to the Lord. And there's one verse in the Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the one I love. And that was the story of Robert Robertson's life. He went into the ministry, but he backslid from the ministry. And one day he was on a stagecoach. And there was a lady in the stagecoach, and she was humming herself the tune to that word. And she said, Sir, have you ever heard this song? And he said, Ma'am, I'm the sorry soul that wrote that song. And I wish I could feel the presence of God again in my life like I did then. And it led him back to the Lord. The shepherd's staff reached out and pulled him back. And the Lord will do that in your life too. I don't care how far you've wandered. I don't care what you've done. I've got to keep going here because I don't want to preach too long. It's just, as you get old, you just run out of time before you run out of things to say. But uh, in just stunning ways, the Lord has put me back on path in my life and opened the doors and provided for me after I've done some really dumb things. The Lord will protect you. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And the Lord will care for you. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Now, I always had the idea of a banquet table here. But there are two things that David could have had in his mind. One of them was a banquet table, but it was not the way I envisioned it. But let's stick with the sheep model, first of all. The table land was where the shepherd would take the sheep after the snow had melted. 
And there was fresh green grass that was there. This was great pasture for the sheep. And if you know anything about uh, Palestine, it's a lot like Las Vegas. And uh, there's not a lot of grasslands around, but they grow a lot of rocks there. But before the sheep could be turned loose to graze, the shepherd would hold the sheep back, and he or one of the other shepherds would go, and they would pick some of the parasites out of the grass and other prickly plants or things that might not agree with the sheep's digestive system and the thickets and the stickers because that would get caught up in the wool. And that was the preparing of the table. And the Lord prepares the table for us in the presence of our enemies. There was another possible interpretation of this. If you were on the run... This was in those ancient Eastern, Middle Eastern cultures. Someone was after you. If you could get to the tent of a shepherd that was there or some other um, Bedouin that was traveling, herding his animals, and you could get in the tent and sit at the table of, the t- of whoever owned that tent, you could not be attacked by your enemies from without. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. And there are enemies that are after the sheep. And I'm telling you, and I don't mean to be scaring you at all, I do believe that as the body of Christ, even in America, the stage is set for some tough days ahead. Right now, The winds are not blowing in the favor of the church and the people of God. Having said that, God can move into astounding things overnight. And that's what we pray and hope for. And God has done it before and he might do it again. But if this present trajectory changes, it's not going to be a good thing. It's going to be difficulty that we're going to have. The Lord will care for you. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Now the six, uh, uh, let's stick with this one here for just a little bit further. Thou anointest my head with oil. Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is when a king was anointed, they would pour the olive oil over his head. That may not have been what David had in mind, because there was anointing of the head of the sheep with oil. It was a concoction of olive oil and sulfur and spices that they would bathe the head and the sheep, head, head and face of the sheep with, and this was to things that were repelling to parasites and bugs that would want to bother their face, the flies and that sort of thing. But it also was a disinfectant for cuts and sores that they might have had. Thou anointest my head with oil. And I'm here to tell you that the anointing oil of God is there for medicinal purposes, spiritual medicinal purposes in your life as well. He's preparing you and leading you so that you will not be susceptible to those fiery darts of the enemy that they fire after you. And my cup runneth over. The cup is always symbolic of life. 
regardless of what your circumstances are, the Lord is so good. One of the things that I've started doing, and I'm not trying to say that you need to do this, but there's certain things, and I, by the way, I have added the 23rd Psalm to my deadly, my deadly daily regimen. First thing I do is I recite the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, yada, yada, yada. Second thing I do is I recite the Lord's Prayer. The Lord is my shepherd. And now, the third thing I do is I recite the 23rd Psalm because it's just been so enriching to me. And then the next thing I do is I start thanking the Lord for the many blessings and the greatness of God. I might thank God for the, for the glory and the beauty of creation. I thank God for the gift of the Spirit, for the gift of His Word, for the gift of His Son, for the many blessings. And when, you start to, we, we, when, I, when I start to do that, you know, I have my regular prayer list like I suppose most of you have. My list of what's wrong becomes so much more insignificant as I remind myself of the faithfulness, the ongoing faithfulness of what God does. It's important not to get eaten up by the I need this and I need that. There's a place for that. But your cup runneth over. And then the seventh thing is that the Lord will pursue you. Recite this. Okay, uh, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. There was a famous poem that was written back in the 19th century. Can't remember the name of the author right now, but you've heard this phrase, the hound of heaven. How many of you heard the phrase, the hound of heaven? And that was a poem that was written. It was a fictional poem. Maybe it was autobiographical, I'm not sure. Telling the story of this young man that had become wealthy and then he had fallen into spiritual and physical disrepair. And it was that hunting dog image. It's the hound of heaven that is running you down. And I want you to know that God pursues you with goodness and mercy. My favorite theologian was a Swiss theologian. His name was Karl Barth. You may have never heard of him. And uh, he said there's a picture that he never really liked. It was the picture of God standing at, the, Jesus standing at the door of your heart and knocking at the door. How many of you have seen that picture before? He said, I've never really liked it. He said, it really should be a movie of God coming to the door of your heart and beating down that door with the cross and chasing you through the house because he wants to bring you and restore you to fellowship with him. Now there's one disadvantage of having tasted the things of God and then backsliding or turning away from God. You will never be able to enjoy your sin again. Because the hound of heaven is going to keep running after you and pursuing you. One of my favorite stories, and I close with this. I don't know, some of you might have heard the name Polycarp. Polycarp was one of the very early church fathers. 
The year was about 150 A.D. Polycarp, as a young man, had known the last of the surviving disciples, John, who wrote the book of Revelation. And it was in that uh, area of uh, ancient Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, where he knew John. So he was a specially revered saint in the early church. Every once in a while, a season of persecution would break out against the Christians. And the emperors would demand that you offer a sacrifice to the uh, Roman emperor and acknowledge them as God. It was kind of a pledge of allegiance sort of thing. Polycarp was 86 years old. And everybody revered Polycarp. But he would not offer, and it was just a pinch of salt that you had to offer as an offering and acknowledgement to the emperor. And the soldiers, he was an old man, and they didn't want to imprison him. They came to Polycarp and said, please, just do it. We know you don't mean it. Please just do it. And Polycarp said this, 80 and 6 years have I served my Lord, and he has never failed me once. How can I fail him now? His fate was sealed. He was to be burned at the stake. So they led Polycarp to the stake, and they were going to lash his hands to the post there. And he said, you don't have to tie me. I'll just stand here. And they lit a fire around him. Now, this is the story that comes down. Polycarp stood there, and the flames surrounded him but did not consume him. Those that were watching Polycarp stand there, they said he looked like a loaf of bread that was just slowly baking in the oven. But he stood there at peace. Finally, one of the soldiers, in order to put Polycarp to death, came up and just like they did with Jesus, he took a spear and dashed it in his side. Those that were witnesses said it was not blood, but it was a dove that flew out of his side. I don't know about that, but that's the story. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Polycarp was ushered into the presence of God. And learn to trust in the house of the Lord, which is our destiny. That's where we're headed. Anything we have to pass through is easy stuff. Because the good shepherd is sustaining us, protecting us, leading us, restoring us, doing all of these sorts of things for us. And then we are in the very presence of God in the house of the Lord forever. Now, I'm not sure why the Lord directed my thoughts in this direction today, but I I think this was the message the Lord had for somebody that's here, maybe more than one of us. And I've asked AJ if she would just put some altar music on for a moment. We're almost done. But maybe you're here, and you need to take a step forward 
in the art of trusting the Lord. And as we close the service today, I'm just going to ask this, turn this into a little prayer chapel here. And um, I see we've got some anointing oil over here. I'll close the service in just a moment. Make sure there's oil there. There he is. But if you're here this morning, and you would just like me to anoint your forehead with oil, so that you could learn to trust the Lord with whatever it is that's churning in your life or your mind right now, going to invite the presence of the Holy Spirit in this place. He's here. And you can just slip out from where you are. I'm just going to wait for a few moments. I'm not going to pray or a long prayer, but I am going to offer a prayer for you. And you need to take a step forward in the art of learning to trust the Lord in the face of the things you're passing through. I'm just going to ask you to stand up, come to the front. I'm going to anoint you in oil, and you can go and lay down, lay down sit down again. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, Tyler. Yes. I just pray, Lord, that you would bring your anointing and your shepherd's touch into Tyler's life. In Jesus' name, we accept this. Just minister to him now. AJ, if she'll just keep that music going, and I'm just going to close in prayer. And you might want to come to the altar here and spend a few minutes here. You might want me to pray with you. You might want to sit where you are. But we're just going to, I know we've got a transition to the um, biscuits and gravy. But let's keep in an attitude of prayer and waiting on the Lord for just a moment. Let's say five minutes. You may want to just sit where you are.
moment. Let's take a few moments in the presence of the Lord. Father, we thank you for this time together this morning. We thank you, Lord, that you are the good shepherd. And we pray, Lord, that you would speak into the lives of each of us here. As we wait in your presence, we pray that the voice of the shepherd, we would hear it, that the shepherd's crook would draw us back, that you would restore us. We thank you for this time together in your presence today. And we pray, Lord, you would continue here as there are those that continue to worship and bless in the fellowship time that follows. These things we ask in your name. Amen.